and welcome to another edition of the China in Africa podcast. I'm Eric Olander, and as always, I'm joined by Kobus van Staden of the University of Johannesburg Center for African Foreign Policy and Diplomacy. A very good afternoon to you, Kobus. Good afternoon. And uh, we're thrilled to go back to Washington, D.C. this week, uh, where Andy Schweilio is joining us. Andy is, of course, the editor of the excellent uh, China blog, ChinaOpenMike.com. He is also the founder of that blog, and Andy has a background in international development. Uh, he's originally from China and uh, from Beijing and worked uh, at CCTV, both as a production manager and as a journalist. And this is his uh, second time on the show, and we're thrilled to have you back. Welcome to the program, Andy. Hi, Eric, and hi, Kobus, and everyone. Very happy to be back. Well, we're going to uh, focus. Uh, we're going to go to Washington because we've got Andy on the show. So we figured, you know, having a, a U.S.-China-Africa angle would only make sense. Uh, and and really, we're going to go back to an issue that we brought up in May. And this was the Brookings Institute held a conference in May, and now they've released some papers uh, that have come out of, from this conference. And, you know, listen, you know, think tanks and academics are not really the sexiest marketers in the world. So the paper's named is A Trilateral Dialogue on the United States, Africa, and China, which it's the most boring name you can possibly imagine. And it even gets worse, actually. They say trilateral cooperation around non-renewable natural resource extraction. Okay. So that's French, basically, for uh, the U.S. and China cooperating together in Ghana or in Africa in general about, you know, non-renewable resources – that, for the most part, is oil. So we're going to kind of dive in. It's a 70-page report. We're not going to focus on the whole 70 pages, but we are going to focus our attention on the question of Ghana. And Ghana has really come up quite a bit in the news this this year alone because of the gold mining scandals and the crisis that really erupted in uh, Ghanaian China ties earlier this year where hundreds of, of gold miners who are illegally operating uh, in, in Ghana were expelled from the country. It really at one point jeopardized China, you know, or at least put into question Sino-Ghanaian ties. Uh, but really, it, since then, things have calmed down quite a bit and, uh, and, and ties have stabilized. Now, at the same time, uh, U.S. Ghanaian ties have been quite strong. Uh, there's really been no difference. And really, to kind of understand, let's put some perspective before I go to, to, to Cobus to give us some background on it. Total value of FDI, foreign direct investment, from, coming from the Chinese was $67.88 million. That's a decent amount, obviously, but it's nowhere near the amount coming from the Americans at $500 million. Now, one very interesting point that differentiates the Americans and the Chinese in Ghana is the fact that there are a lot more Chinese firms, but they happen to be smaller. However, with the Americans, there are fewer firms, but the investments they make are much larger. So I've, I've set the table a little bit here, Cobus, uh, about uh, you know, this idea of the United States and China in Ghana as a representative of what these two great powers might do elsewhere on the continent. After reading this book, Brookings report, do you see the potential that they see for trilateral cooperation, that is China, U.S., in this case Ghana, or other African countries? countries? Um, you know, in general terms, yes. In, you know, in, in the sense that, you know, the point that the report makes, and I mean, this is a long report, but if you're interested in wonky China-Africa issues, it's a good report. It's wonky, Because um, you, like, you you know, you have these China-Africa deities like He Ping, for example, who's, you know, who we interviewed, um, you know, I think last year, um, you know, kind of really, really prominent people kind of writing about it. So it's, it's worth reading if you're interested in this kind of, these kind of issues. Um, 
the you know kind of the point that one of the general points they make is that um, even though you know China Africa like competition between US and China in Africa has been pushed a lot and a lot of been made has been made about that in the US but in reality that they are not really necessarily always in direct competition and that there's a lot of fields in Africa where they can work together and they you know kind of they can bring their different kind of skills to you know to bear on on helping Africa develop so in general terms sure you know that look that sounds great when you actually start thinking about how this is going to happen and how it's going to be coordinated and who's going to do what and what's the relationship between the government and massive multinational corporations then I think it becomes much much more complicated yeah I mean that was my point reading this is that they spoke about the US and China in rather abstract terms when the, the it's not the American government that's investing 500 million dollars in Ghana. And these are private corporations that the United States really has very little sway over if it wants to do anything. Um, much the Chinese as well as it's a very disorganized entity there. So it just seems to me like this is academic pipe dreams in terms of having the, these, these groups work together, at least in the, uh, in the private sector. Andy, you know, you have a background in international development. I oftentimes think that when these reports come out of, of Washington, there's this kind of like utopian idealism. Now, obviously, people who, who contributed to this don't only come from Washington, but I, I do lay that at the foot of the Brookings Institute that this just seems not realistic that the two are going to cooperate on this granular level because at the end of the day, their interests don't always align. Um, I'm, I think I'm more open to being open about this idea of uh, this, uh, the, the further development of this trilateral um, relationship. Um, but in a sense, I agree with you um, that um, right now we don't see, uh, at least I, um, I'm curious to see um, more um, substance um, behind this buzzword of so-called trilateral relationship um, for me to, you know, to understand more about what this is about, exactly like what Koba said. Um, I, I would ask what is defined um, you know, what, what, what's the definition um, for this so, so-called trilateral relationship? And uh, what's the, if you have one, any framework um, behind it or under it to, to make it work? And what are the roles and responsibilities? What, what's the action plan? And all that, um, I'm really curious in, in, to, to learn more about it. Um, but but um, I think given the, the, the dynamic going on in global development, uh, in the stage of global development nowadays, I don't think that's an impos- impossibility for China, America, and in this case, Ghana, to work together um, uh, for development that uh, benefits all of them. Yeah, I mean, I, I won't say it's an impossibility. And in, in, on our Facebook page at, ch- at uh, facebook.com slash China Africa Project, uh, just this past week, we posted up an article about how uh, we're seeing more cooperation in the military sphere. That is, there was a training exercise in the Gulf of Aden for uh, for an anti-piracy training exercise that the United States and China have been working in closely together with off the coast of Somalia. Uh, and uh, Chinese uh, helicopters landed on an American warship and, and American helicopters landed on a Chinese warship. And that was the first time that that had ever happened. So clearly we are seeing some green shoots of, uh, of U.S.-China cooperation in Africa. But I would say that on the development side and on the corporate side, uh, it seems a little bit far-fetched. Cobus, one of the other kind of key points that came of it was in the recommendations portion of, of, of a couple of the reports. 
And it came back down to one of the consistent themes that you and I have talked about over the over the years on this show, which is uh, which is governance and and really strengthening uh, the rule of law and civil society in Africa as the foundation for any trilateral cooperation to occur. So let me read you three of the recommendations, which was uh, obviously improved uh, Ghanaian governance on the uh, both an environmental protection as well as an anti-corruption, and then overall improvement of regulatory regulatory oversight. Site, and finally, the strengthening of civil society programs and development. So basically what these reports are saying is that without a strong you know, African government, whether it's Ghanaian or any other, um, it doesn't seem like you can build on top of that. Right now, one of the big problems that you have in Ghana is the fact that you, you have pervasive corruption, you don't have strong enough environmental enforcement, you don't have strong enough immigration enforcement, um, and there's a number of different deficiencies in the regulatory structure that make for any cooperation between the United States and China somewhat difficult. I completely agree. I, you know, kind of in, in more general terms, what I found in reading this report, particularly the Ghanaian section, is that there was very little reference to um, the specificity of Ghana. Um, you know, there was a little bit for me, a little bit of a feeling of a Ghana-shaped hole in this discussion, you know, kind of like Ghana was kind of represented in negative space in a way. Um, and, you know, kind of Ghana is a highly specific place with, with very specific kind of ways of, of, of arranging, you know, social arrangements and kind of regional, you know, structures and so on. So um, I was a little disappointed in the sense that Sure, I mean, Ghana needs governance and improved governance and, and, you know, kind of all of these different things. But I was a little concerned that a lot of it, you know, is simply, it felt a little bit like developmentalist boilerplate. You know, kind of there's very little specific references to to how Ghana, Ghana specifically needs to deal with these things in a Ghanaian way. And, you know, kind of, you know, part of that might be just the, the logistics of putting together this report and there might not have been, you know, time to, to specifically consult, you know, the Ghanaian government, although the report that I read, um, you know, kind of did include a bunch of interviews with with Ghanaian officials. Um, So I was a little, that that made me a little nervous. I actually wanted to ask you guys about one more thing, that there was um, this recommendation that there should be much more, that China and U.S. should work much harder on surveillance, including that the U.S. should should provide uh, drones to the Ghanaian government to to police kind of illegal mining. Well, ironically, those drones will probably not come from the United States because the cheapest American drone (laughs) is about $30 million, and the Chinese now are at air shows selling drones for about a million dollars. So we will probably see Chinese-made drones, uh, you know, all over Africa before we'll see American drones that are sold to the Africans. Uh, what I thought was interesting was I, I agree with you. I felt that the recommendations that came out of this report were a little bit of, bleh, you know, and they re- they did mention the fact that you know Ghana has just come into uh, huge discoveries of, of of non-renewable natural resources, namely natural gas and oil, off its coast. And the Chinese have uh, have been the biggest uh, you know players in this space with with you know billions of dollars in, in in loans exchange low interest loans in exchange for access to those resources. It should also be noted that uh, and this was not mentioned in the report, and I was surprised that it wasn't mentioned, but that Ghana and the United States have a very very kind of emotional relationship with one another, and there's a very very long standing commitment that the United States has to Ghana in part because of the fact that uh, through the slave trade, hundreds of thousands 
thousands of African slaves who were exported to the United States from Ghana. And it's one of the reasons why it's a very politically popular destination for American presidents, uh, Obama included, to go to Ghana, to go to the slave forts, and to kind of really kind of keep that relationship and that, histor- that history, that connection alive. So there's, there's, those are important kind of dimensions to talk about, that each has its deep interests in this particular country. And I agree with you, Kobus. Those specifics were not focused enough in this report. And I thought that there was a little bit uh, that was disappointing in that sense. Uh, Andy, let's um, come to you yes. and, and get your thoughts. Yeah, if I may, um, on, on the recommendations, of, of course, those are very you know high level um, recommendations uh, in the general terms and need to be fleshed out uh, one by one. Um, I just happened to um, have hosted a um, Google Hangout uh, conversation earlier this year. Actually, I think it was in June. On, uh, in the wake of this um, Chinese legal, legal miners in, in Ghana issue. And a lot of insights, um, really, really valuable insights were brought uh, up uh, by, you know, one of the Ghanaian um, guests there, uh, Jamila Abdullahi, who's a very popular uh, blogger from, from Ghana. And I think this, uh, when we talk about, you know, this bilateral, trilateral, sorry, relationship, I think it really boils down to what, if you will, Ghanaian people want, um, at least according to uh, my conversation with, uh, you know, uh, with uh, Jam- Jamila Abdullahi, um, I think these are the things that uh, uh, China and the U.S. may want to pay a little bit more attention to when it comes to cooperating with Ghana and developing Ghana, which are implementation of this uh, transparency of, you know, anti-corruption uh, initiatives and, uh, Promoting this more of a uh, promoting a co- collaboration between the government and citizens in Ghana uh, for a continuous uh, with a continu- continuous approach to development, uh, focusing on building capacity of Ghanaian people with uh, information database set up and you know knowledge shared, and uh, really there also needs to be a equal footing strategic partnership between Ghana and China and between Ghana and the United States um, so that. Uh, uh, people of different parties can come together to really talk about issues and talk about action plans um, um, on the you know equal basis instead of uh, China or the U.S. helping Ghana out sort of thing. Because what the sense I get is what the people really want is to be empowered to be able to um, help their own countries to develop. And um, I think this is you know one of the, the effective ways to for us to uh, ensure sustainable development rather than yielding um, uh, benefits in the short term. Okay. Can I, if I, you know, I, Kobus, occasionally I get to be rude to the guests, so please forgive me. But, <laughs> sure. uh, Andy, and I, I don't mean to be rude here, but you, you, you do, you've done a lot in the, in the development space, and you're using all of those great development buzzwords, capacity building, sustainable development, you know, equal partnership. I think part of the concern is that, you know, Ghana and China are not equal partners. There's no way that a country of 1.3 billion people, the second largest economy in the world, uh, you know, is going to be equal to a tiny little country in West Africa. The same with the United States. That's part of the concern that a lot of Ghanaians have about going into these deals, these massive debt deals with China, is that they won't be equal and that China will set the terms of trade. The United States has a long history of not treating Africa as equal partners. I mean, let's talk about, you know, 
you know, Zaire with, uh, uh, you know, under Mobutu Sese Seko about, you know, you know, we can go down the list of how the United States has never treated developing countries as equal partners. Um, so, the, so I just want to challenge you a little bit on separating from the international development space and these, these academic where they talk about those things in ideal terms. But the reality is, is that what I think most Ghanaians want is they want jobs, they want better infrastructure, and they want less corruption. <laughs> Very practical, tangible things. And however that comes about, that's great. But to kind of pretend that these countries uh, that are hugely different in size and power will ever be equal to one another seems to me far-fetched. You know, um, Eric, I actually I don't think I agree with you on this one. Um, I, this is similar, uh, this, you know, since I get from talking with uh, my Ghanaian friends that um, it is the reality that uh, China and Ghana are – Probably not on the level playing field, uh, you know, due to the difference in, you know, economic capacity and, and what have you. Um, but I, I guess this is my point. This is exactly where uh, we should work on in terms of recommendations, uh, you know, in, in the future to make sure that uh, this is more of um, collaboration and partnership instead of a patronizing sort of act and one country helping the other out um, sort of thing. Um, and, uh, you know, ha- I hope that will, you know, happen in, in the future sooner or later. And this is actually more of a message, I think, from me to my, you know, Chinese friends um, to, you know, to kind of channel the, 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 the messages through in that um, Africa and African people, uh, in this case in Ghana, they don't just want um, money invested there. What they want uh, further than that is exactly what you what you mentioned, Eric. Um, they want jobs. They want no corruption. They want a uh, society where they could uh, compete equally and for their own benefits. Um, I think you know what what might be what, what was encouraging to me is um, seen from the African perspective. You know, this this report has mentioned that uh, a few African countries, I think, including Ghana, including also Kenya, have started to be very transparent about their deals with China and like wh- who made which deals with whom um, and. You know, I think that's because, you know, frequently one of the problems with China-Africa relations is that so many deals get made uh, behind closed doors. Um, so, you know, I think if if these African countries use their their position as as the kind of targets of investment um, in a way to inc- to to increase transparency that's that's a good thing to do um, and the us i think can can go you know kind of along uh, can do a lot to encourage that and to support that because obviously the us has very strong laws um, you know against the bribing of local local officials so you know kind of in, in that sense you know kind of that that's one field where i can see where they can actually effect work together because um, you know kind of once once there's a, a, a perception of of wide transparency at the highest level then that starts you know kind of possibly changing some of some of the culture of corruption now there's another country that should be taken into consideration here which is Norway and the the government in Accra has actually been working with the Norwegian government quite a bit in part because Norway like Ghana is a very small country uh, that has huge oil and natural gas or oil res- uh, you know, discoveries that it's off its shore as well. And they have been, I think, they are by far the benchmark when it comes to transparency and conservatism about, you know, in terms of managing the, the oil investments. 
so I think that's a, an interesting influence as well. And, and Kobus, you, you brings up the issue of what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, uh, that uh, Uganda really in some ways is the opposite extreme right now, that they don't seem to be handling their resources and their money very well, whereas Ghana seems to be, seems to be at the, you know, at an intersection right now at a crossroads that it may actually go down a path that is uh, – that, that is quite encouraging and quite positive. Well, the report is on page 30 of the Brookings Report, uh, and this is the Brookings China-U.S.-Africa Trilateral, Trilateral Compilation. The report is uh, the role of China and the U.S. in managing Ghana's non-renewable natural resources for inclusive development. It's got uh, one, two, three, four, five professors uh, from uh, from Ghana and uh, also from uh, – actually, all five from Ghana uh, who participated in this. Again, we were not really that thrilled with the recommendations, but it is an interesting report nonetheless. And it's interesting to start thinking about a lot of the ideas that Andy brought up, which he's a little more, more optimistic than I am on this, about the possibilities of the United States and China actually working together uh, in the development space. We see that there's some, some – they're working together a little bit more in the military uh, aspects. There are some diplomacy areas, particularly in the Sudans, uh, where they're working together. But for the most part, uh, China and Africa, China and, and the U.S. hold really separate agendas in Africa, and we don't see that much right now. Andy's more optimistic than I am that one day we will actually bring those together. So uh, that's it for this edition of the show. Andy, at the end of every show, what we do is we kind of guide our listeners to kind of where they can follow you on the Internet. Uh, you're really all over the web. Give us a list of some of the best places where they can follow you and your China Open Mic uh, project that you're working on. Um, thank you, Eric. Uh, yes, um, I run a blog called China Open Mic to talk about really, um, you know, issues related to China in global development, so China and the world. Um, I host um, uh, Google Hangouts, video Google Hangouts uh, from time to time to discuss these issues. You can find it on China Open Mic, one word, Mike is M-I-C, ChinaOpenMic.com. And of course, I'm on Twitter and Facebook, and the handles are all China Open Mic. And I look forward to sharing ideas and further exchanging with all of you guys. Oh, that's great. And if you agree with what uh, with what some of the ideas that Andy's put forward, I think it's a great thing to kind of let him know. And if you disagree, just like what we do is we really want to foster an open exchange here. Uh, this is not about one idea or another. There is no right answer or wrong answer here, uh, despite the fact that Cobus uh, and I sometimes get a little more opinionated. But nonetheless, Cobus, uh, if people want to follow you on the web, where can they find you? I am active on our Facebook page, and you'll see my name in brackets when I respond to, to comments. And uh, I'm also on Twitter at Stadnesk. That's S-T-A-D-E-N-E-S-Q-U-E. And once again, our Facebook page is facebook.com slash China Africa Project. Uh, over 100,000 followers now from all over the world, predominantly from, uh, from South Asia, from Africa, North Africa in particular, as well as the U.S. and Europe, and, uh, and even uh, a growing number from, from South America. So this is really a global conversation that's going on over on our Facebook page. And if you want to stay on top of some of the headlines, you can follow me over on Twitter. I'm at eolander. That's E-O-L-A-N-D-E-R. And of course, if you want to follow our podcast, we're uh, on iTunes. You can follow us on Stitcher. Subscribe to us on SoundCloud. And uh, now if you subscribe to the China Africa News uh, weekly newsletter put out by Henry Hall, uh, there will be a link to our uh, to our podcast there as well. It's an excellent newsletter that Henry puts out every week. And uh, so we're, we're kind of helping each other kind of raise each other's profile here. So uh, the ChinaAfricanews.com. So between ChinaOpenMic.com, ChinaAfricanews.com, and our resources, that should keep you busy for a week until we um, come back with another edition of the China in Africa podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Mm -hmm.